Ashley's UN Insights, a weekly look at the work of the United Nations. Welcome to Ashling's UN Insights. Having recently returned from an internship at the United Nations headquarters in New York, and with my family growing weary of my constant yammering on about it, I've decided to pass on what I've learned to you lovely listeners. The UN is heralding the 2020s as their decade of action. So what exactly is it that they're working on? This week, we're looking at Sustainable Development Goal number 8, entitled Decent Work and Economic Growth. This Sustainable Development Goal aims to promote sustained, inclusive and sustainable economic growth, full and productive employment and decent work for all. This includes goals to sustain economic growth and productivity through diversification and technological upgrading and innovation. The UN wants to encourage the formalisation and growth of micro, small and medium-sized enterprises, expand access to financial services for all and decouple economic growth from environmental degradation by improving global resource efficiency. SDG 8 also aims to achieve full and productive employment for all and ensure equal pay for work of equal value as well as striving to protect labour rights and promote safe and secure working environments for all workers. This Sustainable Development Goal emphasises the need for immediate and effective measures to eradicate forced labour, end modern slavery and human trafficking, and strives to end child labour in all forms by 2025. The UN hoped to achieve this through a variety of methods, such as by facilitating trade-related technical assistance to low-income countries, and developing a global strategy to tackle youth unemployment. So, how close are we to achieving those goals? The data available on the progress of SDG 8 is all from before the COVID-19 pandemic, and so although by 2018 unemployment had gone back to pre-2008 financial crisis levels, it has risen once again as a result of the pandemic. Even before COVID-19, the UN stressed how more progress was needed to increase employment opportunities, particularly for young people, to reduce informal employment and the gender pay gap, and promote safe and secure working environments. In 2008, the median hourly gender pay gap stood at around 12%, and one-fifth of the world's youth were not in education, training or employment with young women being twice as likely as young men to be unemployed or not in educational training. The number of people accessing financial services is on the rise, with more people using digital banking solutions. And in 2017, commitments to the Aid for Trade scheme increased to $58 billion. Although there was progress towards sustainable development goal before 2020, the COVID-19 pandemic will set unemployment numbers back again, and possibly require new methods to stimulate environmentally sustainable economic growth and achieve full and productive employment for all. The scope of the United Nations is huge, since there are many departments tackling different global issues. So each week I'm shining the spotlight on one department and looking at the work that they do. This week I want to look at the Population Division within the Department of Economic and Social Affairs. This division studies population dynamics and monitors demographic trends and policies worldwide. The Population Division makes up-to-date estimates and projections about fertility, mortality, international migration, urbanisation and population size and structure for all countries. And this data is then used widely by other departments within the UN, non-governmental organisations and governments. 
Within the UN, this data is used to monitor the progress of the Sustainable Development Goals. Monitoring demographic trends requires collecting and analysing data on a wide variety of aspects of life because there are many factors that influence the rate at which people are born and die. The Population Division monitors the global, regional and national trends in ageing and its major socio-economic implications, as well as the impact of the increase in the number of young people in low-income regions of the world. They also produce estimates, compilations and analyses of family planning levels and trends, as well as fertility, which is the estimate of the number of children a woman is likely to have in her lifetime. Due to the demographic and socio-economic impact of HIV and AIDS, this is something the Population Division also collect data on. And more expectedly, the division also monitors global, regional and national mortality rates. Interestingly, the Population Division monitors marriages and unions because in their words, the timing, prevalence and stability of marriages and unions not only shape the reproductive behaviour of women and men, but are also linked to wider social and economic changes, such as improvements in women's educational attainment and labour force participation. The Population Division monitors migration as both immigration and emigration can significantly impact population structures. The Population Division also studies urbanisation trends, and by monitoring indicators on urban and rural populations and environmental conditions, the Population Division also researches the impact of population on the environment. The Population Division hold an annual session of the Commission on Population and Development, which lasts a week, and this year was going to focus on the interrelation between the themes of population, food security, nutrition and sustainable development. There was only one International Day this week. These days aim to raise awareness of a particular global issue, and if any of these topics really pique your interest, then I encourage you to look into them further, as that is exactly the aim of declaring International Days in this way. Yesterday, Saturday the 11th of July, was World Population Day. This day aims to focus attention on the urgency and importance of population issues. This includes demographic trends related to population growth, ageing, migration and urbanisation, which are all topics that the Population Division monitor. It is estimated that the world's population grows by around 83 million people per year, and median variant projections suggest that the world's population could reach 8.6 billion people by 2030, then 9.8 billion people by 2050, and 11.2 billion people by 2100. This increase in population is not spread out evenly around the world, with some countries experiencing large increases in population each year, whilst other countries are dealing with the consequences of having an ageing population. The theme this year is that reproductive health and gender equality are essential for achieving sustainable development. In his message for World Population Day, the UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres laments the pushback we are seeing on women's rights, including essential health services, when supporting family planning is essential for sustainable development. The UN has nine standards for the human right to family planning. More generally, countries must ensure participation of individuals in decisions that affect them and be accountable to the people that they serve. But specifically related to the human right to family planning, there must be no discrimination and family planning must be available, accessible and acceptable to all, as well as of a good quality. Vitally, Every person must be able to make autonomous, informed decisions and be assured privacy and confidentiality. So, what has been discussed at the UN this week? As before, if any of the things I mention particularly catch your attention, 
then you can hop on the UN Web TV website and watch the meetings in full. This week was the second week of the 44th session of the Human Rights Council, which continues until the 17th of July. There were meetings every day and they discussed a multitude of topics related to human rights. On Monday, they discussed the right to development and the highest attainable standard of physical and mental health and the human rights of migrants. They also discussed discrimination against women and girls and people affected by leprosy. They continued to discuss some of these topics on Tuesday, but also discussed violence against women and violence and discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity, as well as discussing extreme poverty in relation to human rights. On Tuesday, there was also a meeting about how UN peacekeeping operations can contribute to the promotion and protection of human rights more effectively. On Wednesday, there was a discussion about the impact, opportunities and challenges of new and emerging digital technologies in relation to the promotion and protection of human rights and the human rights of internally displaced people. There's also a discussion about the rights of people with disabilities in the context of climate change. On Thursday, they discussed extrajudicial summary or arbitrary executions, the rights to freedom of peaceful assembly and of association, and human rights in relation to transnational corporations and other business enterprises. On Friday, discussions from previous days continued, and they discussed the promotion and protection of the right to freedom of opinion and expression, but they also talked about the human rights situation in Belarus specifically. Tuesday saw the first meeting of the 2020 High-Level Political Forum on Sustainable Development, which continued throughout the rest of the week and will continue into next week. The purpose of this high-level political forum is to review the Sustainable Development Goals. The theme for this year is Accelerated Action and Transformative Pathways, Realising the Decade of Action and Delivery for Sustainable Development. And they discuss the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the progress towards achieving the Sustainable Development Goals. This week was also Counter-Terrorism Week, and so there were meetings throughout the week under the overarching theme of the strategic and practical challenges of countering terrorism in a global pandemic environment. Throughout the week, there were also meetings about the situation in Syria, Libya and West Africa and the Sahel region more generally. That's all from me for now, but join me next week for more UN insights and news. See you then! Ashling's UN Insights a weekly look at the work of the United Nations. We've been